Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You can memorize scripture all day long, but it doesn't mean you know it. It doesn't mean you know it. You can have it plastered on every part of your house, on your throw pillows and your coffee mugs and all that good stuff. It doesn't make a difference at all. It's just artwork, guys. If, it's, if it never transitions from there to here to here, it makes no difference. Remember pulling all-nighters in college to memorize everything that you needed to know for the big exam? And then you're the first one finished and maybe even get an A on the final. But then, a few days later, you can't even remember one detail from all of that cramming. Well, today Pastor James reminds us that there is a big difference between memorizing scriptures and actually knowing the Bible. In order to learn and to be able to apply the knowledge to your life, you have to spend time with God in His Word. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark, chapter 12, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We need bread for the broken, give some bread to the broken. We need hope for the hopeless, give some hope to the hopeless, hopeless. Bread for the broken, broken. Mark, chapter 12, we're actually going to look at the Um, kind of the subject matter of marriage, right? And what does marriage look like beyond earth? And what's to come in heaven and all that fun stuff, because this is an issue that was brought up when Jesus was uh, in his final week in Jerusalem, leading up to, we are days away from him going to the cross, okay? And so, uh, and, and all throughout chapter 12, it's just been a bombardment of questions, religious people coming at Jesus, not because they like genuinely want to know, but they're trying to trap Jesus, right? And so we, we've seen different groups coming to him with their own questions. And, and this, uh, this morning, we're going to cover another group that wants to try to catch Jesus. Um, spoiler alert, you can't catch Jesus. Like in any, like he's smarter than you. Um, he's smarter than me, which is not saying a lot, but he's like way smarter than any of us or all of us put together, Right? And that's no slam to us or anything like that. You have brains and they're brilliant and that's awesome, but you don't compete with Jesus. We don't compete with him. And, uh, and it's funny when man wants to like come at Jesus, we're going to lose every time, right? So that's where we'll be this morning. Um, I'm going to pray and we're going to get just right into this. Lord Jesus, thank you again for this morning. Again, we lift up uh, our friends at the harbor, pray for provision for them. Lord, we know that uh, with everything that's going on on that side of the world with war and, and, and everything, Lord, that, um, man, there are a lot of people that are, that are suffering because of it. I don't understand all the, the complexity of who's right and who's wrong or anything like that, Lord, but I, I do know that we have friends that are uh, affected by what's going on over there. And so we pray for them. We pray for <clears throat> just their provision, Lord, and that you continue to provide for them and take care of their needs. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would be here with us today as we open up your word. I pray you would speak to our hearts and our minds. And um, Lord, just uh, meet us where we're at is, is all that we ask. And we truly are grateful for freedom, um, Lord, that you bless us with. And uh, thank, you for, thank you for letting us live in this country where we can do this freely. And uh, we just, we praise you for that, Lord. And we Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. 
So let's look at verse 18. Verse 18, if you don't mind, it says, then Jesus was approached by some Sadducees. So I'm just going to pause there just so you understand the context. Like we go from one conversation to the next conversation. Um, one attack to the next attack is what Jesus is going through. So he, he had to deal with the Pharisees and some of the other religious leaders concerning, hey, are we supposed to pay our taxes or not? Should we pay our taxes to Rome or should we not pay our taxes to Rome? And Jesus is like, well, um, whose image is on that coin that you have? Well, it's Caesar's. We'll give it back to him. Pay your taxes. Pay your taxes. Well, should we, as Christians, pay our taxes? We don't agree with all that the government spends our money. Pay your taxes. Just pay your taxes. That's all, okay? Pay your taxes. This ain't your home. This place ain't your home. All that money, it's not yours anyway. God's blessed you with it. He's given it to you. You're not taking it with you. So I understand there's some morality stuff there and all that. Look, if you're, if you're, you owe taxes, just pay it. Just pay it, okay? Um, that, was what, that was Jesus's conversation to the Pharisees. It's, that's, it was fascinating. But they thought they could get him with that. And he's like, well, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And then the most important part of that was give back to God what belongs to God. You and I are made in his image. Whose image is imprinted upon you? Well, his image is imprinted upon you. So give back to him what rightfully belongs to him. And that's you. That's your life. Pay your taxes? Sweet. But you better give him back your life because you belong to him. You belong to him. So he just like dropped the mic right there, right? So we thought. And then this other group, these other guys, this is... um, this is an interesting bunch of people. If you don't know anything about Sadducees, right? Uh, commonly, you, you probably hear about, you know, there's Pharisees and there's Sadducees. There's more than just those two groups, but they're the two kind of major ones, so to speak. The Sadducees were interesting because um, they uh, almost always come from wealth, right? And they were priests, and they had a lot of influence, and, and sometimes politically and all that good stuff. Um, but there's, there's some weird theology that comes along with these guys, some very strange theology. Uh, number one, they, they do not believe in the resurrection. They do not believe in a, in a resurrection. So when you die, game over, you're done. Your soul ceases to exist. You cease to exist. There is nothing after this life. That was what they believed. And you're like, really? Like, the, and they're, they're like, yeah, we don't believe in that. We don't believe in angels. We don't believe in spirits. Um, they had a whole list. And, and they based their list of doctrine and theology on, if it's not mentioned in the first five books, we don't believe it. So they stopped at Deuteronomy. What, little, what, what they didn't understand is like, even their understanding of the first five books was, was so minuscule. Because they're, they're, they're like, well, we don't see resurrection in the first five books. And we don't see angels in the first five books. And we don't see this and that. And you can read back through the first five and you'll be like, well, I think I see some stuff there, but whatever. Um, that's, that, that's the Sadducees. And that's why it's, you'll, you'll probably hear this. If you ever go to a Calvary Chapel, I can promise you, you're going to hear this at least half a dozen times. That's why they're sad, you see, right? There you go. Because it's like, they have no hope. Like, why would, it, why would you want to join this club? Like, they have no hope at all. Um, the problem is, is that they, they invest everything into this life and the here and now. No resurrection. Nothing, there's nothing going to happen on the other side of this. So live your life to the fullest today. Today. 
And then you die and you cease to exist. And, and that's bad theology. That's really bad theology. And uh, mis- misinterpreting the scriptures inevitably leads to a misunderstanding of who God actually is. So you got to be careful on what doctrines and what theologies and beliefs and, you know, different things go blowing through churches all the time. You need to check them out. You need to check them out. Do your work, okay? Be like a Berean from the book of Acts. Study the word to make sure that this new thing's coming through. Does the Bible actually teach that? And if it doesn't, throw it in the garbage. Don't give it any, any space within your mind or in your heart. Because, man, a misunderstanding or a misinterpretation of the scriptures, one day you will find yourself completely distant from God. And hopefully you'll wake up thinking, how did I get so far away from him? So study the word, understand the word. Man, just dig into this beautiful book that, that God has given to us. So that's who the Sadducees are. And the verse goes on to say that they're religious leaders. They say there's no resurrection from the dead. They pose this question, right? So they approach Jesus, and they're going to give him the traditional, uh, you know, kind of identifying him as a respected teacher, rabbi, right? That's common in that day. Teacher or rabbi. Moses, remember, they're the first five book guys, right? So they know all about Moses, or so they thought. Um, Moses gave us a law that if a man dies, leaving a wife without children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who will carry on the brother's name. That's the Leverite law found in Deuteronomy chapter 25, okay? So that was, that was put in place uh, to carry on the man's name, okay? So here are some guys who do not even believe in the resurrection asking Jesus about the resurrection, okay? They don't care about the resurrection. This is not a question that they care to get answered by Jesus. This would be like you going to somebody, like let's say there's somebody who believes in Bigfoot, right? And you don't believe in Bigfoot. And you're like, hey, so let me ask you some questions about Bigfoot, right? Obviously, that person probably or should know that you're just, you're scheming. Like, you, you don't care about, I don't even know if Bigfoot's real. Um, so if you're one of those guys, hey, more power to you. I um, uh, hope you find him. Um, he's the best hide-and-seek player ever, though. I know that, uh, if he's real. Um, but if somebody were to come to you and it's just like, why are you, it's, it's almost disrespectful. Right? It's like, why are you, did your teachers ever tell you there's no such thing as a dumb question? Yeah, there's dumb questions, guys. Um, I'm going to tell you that right now. Um, now, I get it in school and all that stuff when it comes to education. That, right, that's, those are, every question has a place. But when you're trying to get somebody, this is a dumb question. This is just a dumb question. It is. Why are you asking them something that you don't even believe in? Why are you, why are you, why did you stand in line to gain an audience with Jesus just so you can ask him a question about something you don't even believe in? Oh, it's because you're scheming. It's because you want to try to get him. You're hunting Jesus. You're hunting Jesus. You think you can get Jesus with this question? Jesus sees right through him, obviously, but look at the absurdity of this question. A guy gets married to a lady. He dies, Okay. Well, in Moses' you know, writings, he says there's this law in place. So they're getting somewhere. It says, well, suppose, verse 20, there were seven brothers. 
Seven brothers, seven brothers, okay, right? The oldest one married and then died without children. The second brother married the widow, same lady, died also without children. The third brother married her. This continued with all seven of them, and still there were no children. Last of all, the woman also died. So tell us, Jesus, whose wife will she be in the resurrection, right? Like this thing that you believe in, you keep talking about. Whose wife is she going to be? question I have is, um, should we run a criminal investigation on this lady? Because seven husbands have died with her. And I'm thinking, like, is there, should we be asking other questions? Like, who's this lady? Like, what is going on here? That's where my brain goes immediately. I'm like, hold on. Um, now, this is hypothetical, obviously. But this question's absurd, it's ridiculous. Now, there is a historical basis for this question. And I was with, um, oh, Abraham, or not Abraham, um, Tamar, thank you. Yes, my wife, yes, for the win. Uh, my wife, woo, thank you. Um, there's a whole story. She had a husband, he died, and then trying to get her married so she, so she can honor you know, this law before it was actually even a law, okay, found in, in the book of Genesis. So they kind of go off of that story, and then they, they amplify it to where it's like, let's say she's got seven husbands. They all die. She doesn't have any kids. She dies. In heaven, who is going to be her husband? Is she going to have seven husbands in heaven? That's their question. And that leads us to an interesting discuss, discussion about, well, about heaven. What's heaven going to be like? Here's our problem. We want to take earth to heaven. We want to take our experiences and everything we have here on earth, we want to take it to heaven. And the whole time, Jesus is trying to get heaven to earth. But we're so like, I'm going to hold on to this, I'm going to hold on to this, and I'm going to hold on to this, and I got to take this with me. And what, if you don't take that with you, are you disappointed? If there's no marriage in heaven, are you really disappointed? You're like, yeah, but my marriage is amazing. I praise God for that. But what about for the people whose marriage isn't amazing? What about for the marriages where the spouse is abusing the other spouse and they look forward to an eternity with that person? But, but there won't be any sin and it'll all be good. Well, yeah, I get what you're saying, but we understand the absurdity of that. It's like, we want to take everything here and, trans- and just pack it up in duffel bags and bring it with us to heaven. And God's like, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Now, if you're married and now you're kind of like bummed because you're like, oh, this is, look, our experiences in heaven are going to be far greater than our experiences here on earth. Your relationships in heaven are going to far exceed your relationships here on earth. They will be, imagine this, they will be much better, much better. Now, I'm going to go through a list at, uh, towards the end concerning some things that the, the scriptures do address concerning heaven and, you know, and do we, will we have bodies and all that good stuff? I believe we will. Um, but right here, not moving on too quickly from this, this is the question that these guys bring to Jesus. We don't believe in the resurrection. You do nothing but talk about it. So here's a hypothetical situation. This lady gets married to this guy, that guy dies, that guy dies, that guy dies, so on and so on and so on. When she gets to heaven, who's she going to be married to, Jesus? And his reply is amazing, classic. Verse 24, he says, 
uh, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures, <laughs> right? Like, these are religious leaders. These are priests. These are priests who are coming to him, and they are experts on the first five books. And he's like, you know what your problem is? You don't know what you're talking about. You have no understanding. Your problem is ignorance. And that's like literally what he says to them. You know what your problem is? You're ignorant. And they're like, whoa, hold on. Oh, wait, where's that nice Jesus? No, let's, let's have honest Jesus. Let's have honest Jesus who's going to call out error in the teachings of the day. Let's have an honest Jesus who wants to expose false teaching within the church. He's not going to be like, oh, you know what? Let me put my hand, my arm around you and pat you on the back like, you know, I'm going to rub your back and be like, look, you misunderstood, but it's okay. No, you're teachers, you're priests. You're supposed to be leading the people and you don't even know what the book says. That's a problem. That's a big problem. And he's like, you know what your problem is? Your mistake, you don't know the scriptures. You don't know the scriptures. You You certainly don't know them as well as you think you do. He's like, and your lack of understanding concerning the scripture leads to your lack of understanding of who God is. And that's a big statement for very religious and devout Jews who have grown up understanding or being taught who God is. I mean, they have, they probably in this audience have most of those first five books memorized. They know those first five books, but they don't know those first five books. You can memorize scripture all day long, but it doesn't mean you know it. It doesn't mean you know it. You can have it plastered on every part of your house, on your throw pillows and your coffee mugs and all that good stuff. It doesn't make a difference at all. It's just artwork, guys. If, it's, if it never transitions from there to here to hear, it makes no difference. It has to find home within your heart. Because once it finds home within your heart, then you put it to practice. You start living out these truths. And you're not walking around like a Sadducee, just woe is me, and oh, the world is so bleak, and there's nothing. No, the best is yet to come. I get it. We live in dark days. I understand all that. But the best is yet to come. You should be excited that heaven is a reality, and it is coming. Better is coming. The best ever is coming. The Apostle Paul, uh, these guys try to kill him. And they just about stoned him to death. They drug him outside the city and all that good stuff. Well, it's around that time is when we think that he had this, this experience. He went up into the third heaven, okay? That means you know there's the atmosphere, then there's space, but then the third heaven is like heaven, And he refused to talk about it. He refused to talk about it. He's like, I can't even even talk about it. It'd be like illegal for me to talk about it. What he saw. I have a a friend or an acquaintance of mine um, who's a church planter. And he was uh, sharing the story that uh, he went and planted a church in in Ireland. I want to get it right. Um, in Ireland. He's out street witnessing, preaching the gospel and all that good stuff after, um, after like a soccer game. And some hooligans, soccer hooligans, you guys know them, um, 
had a little too much to drink, go figure, uh, and uh, they nearly beat him to death. Like, literally, like, he was in the hospital on the, on, on the table, pronounced dead. And I can't remember how many minutes he was dead. But he said, you know what, and he's, he's very hesitant to talk about it. And it, it, look, there's books that are written about people's experience with this and all this good stuff. But he was like, he's like, I, he's like, I, I medically, he's like, I was dead. He's like, I, and he was, uh, he, before he became a pastor, he served as a, a, a paramedic and all this good stuff. He's like, I was dead. Like, I was dead, dead. He's like, and he's like, what I saw, what I saw, he's like, he's like, I, I can't tell you about it. And he just starts weeping. Every time he talks about it, he just starts weeping. He's like, I do know this. He's like, I've always believed in the resurrection. He's like, but after that experience, I know, I know heaven is real. Heaven is real. He's like, I had an experience that I cannot tell you about. And he just starts just crying and crying and crying. He's like, but, but I know this. I believed it before. He's like, but man, that what I saw, what I experienced there in that state. And then he came back to life and shocked everybody in the room. And uh, he's like, but what I experienced there absolutely ch- changed. It, it motivated him to get out there more and share the gospel more and tell more people about Jesus. Because he's like, it's real. I've always known it's real, but he's like, no, no, it's like really real, really real. And come whatever hooligans, you know, may show up and all that stuff, he's like, I'm giving them the gospel. I'm giving them gospel. So here with this, in this little strange little scenario, uh, these guys are asking this question. Jesus lets them know, your misinterpretation of the scriptures have caused you to misinterpret God, because if you would have known that, you would also know that, there's, that we serve a powerful God, and that's the rest of that verse, uh, and you don't know the power of God, right? So God is all-powerful, and he is able to resurrect, right? That's just who he is. That's who he is. But because of their misinterpretation of the scriptures, they, misinter- they misunderstood who God was and who God is. And he's going to use their own, uh, you know, text, so to speak. It's his word, but you get what I'm saying, the five books. He's going to use that to argue his point. But before that, he says, um, verse 25, for when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage, right? So there's, there is a resurrection. And when you, when you are resurrected, you're not, you're not going to be married and you're not going to be, there's going to be no weddings in heaven, Okay. He says, in respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. Angels are not getting married in heaven. We'll be like angels. We will not be angels, though. So get rid of that image. We talk about that all the time. You're not going to be some chubby little baby playing a harp with wings. That's, that is not heaven to me, okay? I don't know what that is, but that's certainly not heaven for me. I'm not excited about that at all. Like, no, I don't want to go there. Um, what's my other option? Um, well, I definitely don't want to go the other place, that's for sure, but... You're not going to be an angel. You'll be like an angel, okay? Humans are different from angels, okay? God has created us different from angels. Now, do angels show up in a form of human and all that good stuff? Yeah, that, that happens, right? And how do they really? Well, if you want to know, look at seraphim and cherubim. Those are weird-looking things, okay? They got eyes everywhere and wings, all, all kinds of wings and stuff. Like, those, that's what angels look like. Do all angels look like that? No. Oh, 
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the Gospel of Mark. This book is fast-paced. You'll notice as you keep studying with us that Jesus was on the move quite a lot. He did what needed to be done, and then he moved on to the next thing. Jesus packed a lot of service into his time here on earth, culminating in the greatest act of sacrifice ever, dying on the cross for everybody. If Jesus was consistently moving and serving, shouldn't we also be doing the same? Our faith doesn't say that we should just sit back and let others do the work. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus right here, right now. So go and do whatever it is that the Lord has gifted you with. Go share the good news of the gospel and then demonstrate it by how you love and serve people. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston and we would love to meet you. Visit breadforthebroken.com for more information. Would you like to do something for us? Would you pray for your fellow listeners? Pray that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Please pray for us too, that we would continue to follow Jesus' leading no matter where it takes us. If you feel like God is leading you to partner with us financially, all donations are greatly appreciated, no matter what the size is. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for coming alongside us in sharing the gospel message. That's all that we have for today. Join Pastor James next time for more here on Bread for the Broken. Let me... Of you, man.